Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is managing editor, Ross John Fortune, and staff writer researchers, Jayla Whitfield and Anastasia Obis. Hi, everyone. Hi, Alex. Hello. Hey, Alex. Last month, the Office of Management and Budget, OBM, released a guidance on digital customer experience. The policy guidance, according to the White House, sets forth policy recommendations for agencies to make digital government services, quote, easy to use, trustworthy, and accessible. The White House's corresponding fact sheet lays out successes, challenges, and the future of digital government as the customer experience evolves. Today, we are here to go over this fact sheet and explore the details, the nuances, stuff you might have missed, top takeaways, all that good stuff. Are you all ready to dive in? Let's do it. Love it. Let's kick this off by highlighting the White House's fact sheet successes. Ross? Well, the White House is really proud of the parts of government that is moving forward. The IRS always comes up because the filing system on the IRS is something that is used pretty regularly. Similarly, the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, has a series of uh, web and app-based offerings that can help uh, with veterans get access to their benefits. Jayla, I know you've covered some of the CMS digital services stuff. Can you Sort of, I know the White House talked about that too. Can you bring us on that too? Yeah, so definitely CMS is one of the top people that I think is using these digital services. I was able to actually talk with Andrea Fletcher about this previously, and we went on and did a great article on it. But basically what they're doing is trying to improve the online tools and expand their support options across Medicaid and Medicare. You know, that's offered to millions and millions of Americans, so it's really important. Um, Some of the recent projects that they've done is they're creating an in-network pharmacy finder. So that's a tool that basically is going to compare year-over-year coverage and redesign homepages. CMS is also, in 2021, they decided to create a digital service team. And this is one of the first agencies I believe I've seen that's created this. But it's basically an in-house team that's going to examine different parts of CMS to ensure that customer experiences are consistent across healthcare for users. But yeah, those are a few of the things that CMS is doing, and I'm sure they're going to continue to grow and expand on those things, you know, as the years continue to go by. Thank you, Jayla. Ross, anything else you want to add? You know, as I mentioned before a little bit, you know, VA is really, really hot on talking about its uh, health and benefits mobile app because they've got a really good feedback loop at VA with their users. VA obviously is huge, and having those capabilities is really important to the millions of veterans that the agency does deal with. They've got millions of downloads. The app is fairly well rated, 4.8 stars. That's something the White House and OMB is going to sing from the hilltops. So they have this health and benefits app as one of their major, major, major successes. Now, look, I've I've covered this a lot in my career in government customer service, not necessarily just VA, but but all throughout. And it's hard. It's behind the private sector. And that's something that always comes up in surveys of the government customer experience. 
web-based self-service is something that I know the White House and OMB really want to move forward because that saves on having to have people on the phone, having to people hand deal with benefits and, and deal with uh, citizens on things that they can do themselves because we do live in a digital world where people are fairly used to putting through uh, web forms and the White House really is touting that particularly with um, public-private partnerships like they have with the IRS, but also generally within the the broad notions of of how people interact with the government. You know, it's 2023. The, we're past the point, theoretically, of having to fill out things in triplicate and having to do things by hand. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the VA app because I think that's something that in healthcare, even for CMS, that would be something great for them to even think of using. Um, I know when it comes to Biden's executive order, it was to make sure that these services are more simple to use, accessible, you know, more transparent, all that great stuff. So those applications are really a step in the right direction. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. So next up, let's take a look at OMB's digital experience guidance pillars. Anastasia, would you mind going over those? Yeah, so uh, again, two weeks ago, the Office of Management and Budget released a new policy guidance, and it's supposed to help government agencies to guide them on how to deliver digital services as they continue to implement the 21st Century Integrated Digital Experience Act. Uh, it's also known as the IDEA Act. In this guidance, the OMB tells agencies that they should ensure their websites and mobile applications are designed in a way that are accessible to people of diverse abilities so that everyone is able to interact with uh, the government agencies and their digital services. Government agencies' websites will also have consistent agency brand identity, so users know that they're interacting with a government website and their services. Federal agencies will also publish their information in plain language, so it will be easier for users to understand uh, the information and find what's needed. They'll also have to make sure that they're meeting specific cybersecurity requirements as part of the government-wide zero trust architecture strategy so users can securely interact with government digital services. And the services will also be accessible on a wide range of devices so users can access them on their phones, on their iPads, and whatnot. And also following the release of the policy guidance, Claire Marana, she is the federal chief information officer, released a memo saying that agencies are at different levels of their modernization journey. And we know that some, some agencies are further ahead, some are just getting started. And by identifying each agency's progress, they, and I quote, will be able to target the right investments to support digital delivery, consolidate and retire legacy websites and systems, work with private sector partners to implement leading technology solutions, maximize the impact of taxpayer dollars, and deliver a government that is secure by design and works for everyone. Yeah, I really like those pillars that they put in place. It really ensures that 
like it says, no one is left behind. I mean, you're making sure that it's available to anyone, regardless of disabilities they may have, um, if they're in VA, um, if they're just a regular mom or dad or someone looking to get healthcare for their child. So it definitely makes sure that everyone uh, has a seat at the table, which is super important. Definitely. And certainly a big part of the, the Biden administration's agenda, the, their presidential management agenda, really emphasize the DEI aspects of things. And accessibility is a huge, huge, huge part of digital services. Look, it's it's going to be something that they really need to make the right investments each agency so that you're not looking at something that looks really, really bad in a year or two because it's totally outdated. You don't want to run things on outdated languages. You don't want to be in a situation where uh, programming languages, I should say, and they, you need to make sure that you get rid of stuff that doesn't work. The, the agile process is a big part of this, as is the triple P public-private partnership stuff, because as we'll sort of talk about generally when it comes to challenges here, these things don't move as quickly as the speed of technology. And so government really has to update its processes and its um, investments as to how to make that happen as best they can so that people are uh, not wasting time and interacting with the government and the people on the other end, the public servants, are not duplicating work. Thank you, Ross. Let's pick up on that thread of the challenges that federal agencies are facing. I do appreciate that the White House fact sheet actually lists some stuff that they recognize are issues that they intend to resolve. Yeah, I, I would say the number one thing, and it is the number one on their docket as well, 45% of agency sites are not mobile friendly. That's just simply unacceptable at this stage in history. If you go anywhere outside of the United States, mobile internet is generally de rigueur. It's not necessarily here, but that doesn't mean you, you can't do that, especially uh, across income levels. Mobile internet is oftentimes the key point of access. And, you know, we talk about accessibility. That is, that's a big factor. You're shutting people out if you don't have mobile friendly uh, web design. Similarly, 60% have accessibility issues. So screen reader problems, things like that, that essentially uh, shut out people uh, with sight or hearing differences, concerns, you know, th these things that are important for accessibility. And then there's the paper thing. There's a lot of forms that are not digitized. Now, government has so, so many forms that people need to fill out, but only 2% of forms to date have been digitized. And that means there's a lot of filled out paperwork. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of data that is sitting on a piece of a dead tree in a box somewhere. You've seen the photos of uh, VA offices, but you know generally that is across the board. I know OPM has a storage unit in a mountain in Pennsylvania that they contract with, and that stuff needs to be digitized, as simple as that. Now, look, that's hard. And the OPM guidance really does attempt to make agencies move along to get closer to a digital customer experience with regards to modernization because the reliance on paper is really, really tough for people who are trying to solve problems, you know, public servants in the government and people who are trying to access their benefits or interact with the government, uh, regular citizens. 
I would also say that implementing all this stuff is not new. I think that's what can be hard is it I think the Biden administration came in uh, with the, the lessons of the COVID-19 pandemic in so much as online interactions became the number one way that people interacted with the government during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. It was much more web-based, much more uh, mobile-based. And the Biden administration, to its credit, took this and ran with it. And obviously, similarly, they they learned a lot of lessons from the healthcare.gov uh, rollout mass uh, during Biden's time as vice president. So kudos to them for for doing the work to move this forward, because like I said, this is not the Internet's not new. This stuff has been around for a while, but it's going to be really difficult to implement all these pillars and all this guidance because bureaucracy is very, very steadfast and you do need to make sure things are deliberate. Private industry doesn't have to be, for example, accessible to everyone. They don't have to go by the same standards that that government does, because if you don't want to spend your money at Amazon.com, Amazon.com is not beholden by law to offer you products or whatever. Similarly, the adoption of, of technology and hiring, that can be hard. The acquisition process can be difficult. It can take time. And and hiring is, is sort of famously difficult. And all of these initiatives take people and software to move forward. Even just implementing automation solutions means someone has to implement it and somebody has to buy it. And for the people that don't have access, someone's got to be on the phone to walk them through it as well. And then I would also say that these one size fit all kind of things. And Jalen made the excellent point about VA's mobile app versus, you know, what CMS can do with that. There are a lot of agencies that do similar, albeit different things for different audiences, but there's a lot of agencies that don't. So if you go from the United States Department of Agriculture, for example, they're not necessarily going to have the same needs that VA has. They have a lot of intersecting ones, their veterans loans, their USDA loans, but those are not totally interoperable. So there's a lot of complicating factors. The United States government is very, very big and very, very complicated. So in that vein, going forward with this is really laudable. And I'm, I'm interested to see how CIOs are able to balance these needs because, again, I'll, I'll sort of give kudos to the IRS because the Inflation Reduction Act calls for all of these IRS agents. but it also calls for a lot of modernization money. There's a lot in there about the digital customer experience because that is a key, key, key part of the IRS. And from a budget standpoint, it also, the IRS famously, you put $1 into the IRS, you get $8 back, essentially. It is a very good return on investment. So if the IRS staffs up and modernizes its technology, it will really, 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 really help. But I'll just end on this something that I think about a lot. And one of the lessons that was not learned from the healthcare.gov uh, mess was the early vaccine rollout in 2021. And this wasn't necessarily the Biden administration's fault per se, but states really did go hard on web-based and tech-forward uh, registration systems. And the first group of people were the people that were least likely to have access. You had elderly people and you had people who are uh, who had pre-existing conditions. Now, 
I'm painting with a very broad brush here, but generally tech adoption comes a little bit younger. And because of that, I think we saw some hiccups there because you had a lot of people here in DC, for example, um, who didn't have access because they don't have, they're not web savvy. And so access to technology and comfort with technology does really vary. So to keep pushing things forward and keep pushing things forward can be a detriment if you don't span the gamut of everybody. Again, accessibility is not just screen readers or mobile sites. It's also, you need to have people on the phone to walk through those who don't understand or care about the internet. It's easy to think about it because of what we do and, and what we cover, but there are, believe it or not, people who straight up don't use the internet. And so you have to have those kinds of options as well. And this is always gonna be a part of that conversation. Thank you, Ross. It is really encouraging to see these initiatives and goals guiding the federal government and agencies towards this more user-friendly experience. I mean, these DACA websites really are the front door of the federal government and the face of the federal government for a lot of people. Um, and expanding who is able to access that is only a good thing. And frankly, when we see consistency across these platforms, it creates a sense of unified government. And frankly, it increases trust in the government. You know, it's hard to feel like the government's for you when, you know, you can't get a DACA website to work for you. So I think that this is a great initiative um, for just building up how Americans feel and trust the government. And I, for one, am looking forward to seeing a lot more contemporary and sleek web design uh, going forward. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining me for this conversation today. Listeners can tune in next week for a brand new GovCast. But until then, if you like what you heard, make sure you're subscribed. Please leave a review and a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. And hey, tell a friend, we always enjoy growing our audience. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Ross Sharp today. I'm Jayla Woodfield. And I'm Anastasia Obis. Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.